So as a designer, that's more of a reflection uh, for me that we, we always try to reinvent, you know, the the product when, when we try when we join a new project. It's and it's very difficult to to actually identify the things that actually work and and keep them as they are. Welcome to the What Is UX podcast, the show where we interview design leaders about their journey and experience, so that you may learn from them. I'm your host Peck Pompat. On this episode, we have a lead product designer from AbbVie, Mr. Pavel Bach. Welcome to the show. Well, it's my pleasure to join join your, you and, and your show. Yeah, uh, just a little background for, for the listeners. Uh, besides uh, working at AbbVie, Pavel has worked as a design at companies including Nokia, Microsoft, and BMW. Quite a variety of industries from phone to operating system to automotive to a totally different industry now. So very versatile. So that's something that I think, uh, you know, some people kind of, they, they just stick to that industry and they go deep. You've kind of changed industries every time you change jobs. So I'd love to, maybe we can double click into that. For sure. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. Yeah. So you actually don't have, uh, you didn't start out as a, a designer. You have a degree in computer science uh, from the University of Illinois at Chicago, also my alma mater. How did you go? A lot of people transition. It's, it's, I think it's great to hear you know, stories of how people transition into different careers. How did you transition from computer science, writing code to, to software design? Well, I think it's probably start, it started before even uh, me choosing the, the CS degree. I've been you know, designing, creating basic websites. And you know, I was kind of debating of what's, what's the right, um, right back, you know, right degree for me, right, right choice. And uh, it was, definitely wasn't uh, visual design. Um, I wanted to have a little bit more background, a little bit of no, you know, knowledge how, how those things are actually are built. So I, that's why it was kind of the primary reason where I chose the engineering degree or CS degree, but I guess I wasn't never, never, you know, a developer at, at heart. Uh, it was more of a, you know, f- for a need to understand that, you know, that technology behind the scenes. Got it. In, in that case, how long did it take for you to realize that you enjoyed, you know, designing more than than writing code? It was even, even uh, you know, during the, my CS degrees, uh, um, CS degree taking even classes that were more oriented around you know uh, front end interface or, or or the design aspect i really enjoyed those that was kind of i, I really wanted to go to you know those classes enjoy those those moments versus the other aspect i enjoyed it but not not as much as, as the as the actual you know design side of things yeah I, I can totally relate i think the for example like the operating system classes uh, the hardware classes data structure classes like they weren't so interesting <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do at Abby, and for those of you, the listeners who don't know what what Abby is, what kind of company are they? Um, Abby is actually one of the largest uh, pharma company here in the U.S. At this stage, I think they have, they have over uh, fifty thousand um, employees. So that's actually worldwide, and it's a company that 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 actually has been has been spun out out of Abbott about nine years ago. So it's fairly new. New com- you know, new company from kind of history, but it has a has a much longer kind of heritage. You know, from from you know from from I guess also you know from employees' perspective, you know that were brought in from older companies. I think the key about um, Abby for me was that was that you know it, it is a it is kind of a 
area, I feel like technology is, is not uh, really being you know fully utilized um, you know to its fullest extent. And as a designer, I'm kind of looking for a next challenge. What's what's next for, from you know for that we can enable for our users, and especially now you know these days, you know it's, it's all. You know, I think it's it's going to be very soon all about patience. So so I, I think there's a lot that, that that can be done here. I would say that you know. Our design practice is still nimble. You know, it, it is still kind of at its infancy, but there's a lot of appreci appreciation for it. So it's definitely a kind of, uh, it's a lot of growth within this area. And, and there's definitely, you know, the, the company is definitely open for, for a lot of innovation when it comes to, you know, design and, and, and bringing other, other kind of new technologies that are working around, around those things. Yeah. With, with COVID and telehealth, I think there's, uh, I would say it's very, the opportunity is large for, for innovation and, user experience, digital user experience for, for pharma and healthcare. That's right. I mean, just, just some of the basic examples. I mean, patients take, take medicine, but there's really no way to verify the, you know, the right do you know, dosage or, or understand, you know, the, how, how should they feel about, you know, they, they really feel. And, and that's, you know, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot that can, can be changed on that um, by merging technology, even the technology that that's around us, which is like you know, leveraging phones and to, to, to really help those patients. Great. I want to maybe take a little bit, go, go back to your time at Nokia, because, you know, I, I have very fond memories of Nokia and of course, owning several Nokia phones, you know, especially the famous ones that were impossible to destroy <laughs> to, to the extent that they, they've even become internet memes. But uh, yeah, tell us about some of the work there. Uh, what were you doing at Nokia? So uh, before Nokia, I, actually, I worked for, for a company called uh, Novara. That was a small startup that was actually acquired by Nokia. And that was kind of the, my first experience. So that was, I started that, uh, that in, in like 2006. So it was definitely pre-iPhone. Uh, pre so uh, looking at the uh, uh, designing for interfaces for these kind of small, small devices and screen resolution 128 by 128. When we got uh, devices like 176 by 220, that was like a, that was like, you know, like a huge upgrade uh, when it comes to, you know, things that you could do from, from a, a design perspective. And would you say um, design is easier now or, or harder because now, you know, the screen just real estate was so small, there was not much you could do. I think that, the, probably the key aspect there that we had to really take into account was also performance, which which just doesn't exist these days. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest constraint that, that, I, that I you know recall that, that 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 we had to optimize quite a bit for. That's that's essentially doesn't exist, you know, or it's a lot less. Um, people don't I mean, think about it really. Yeah, people don't think about it. Designers certainly don't think about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but when I started there, we've, I was essentially the first designer team, and I actually, you know, funny story. I actually started as a as a um, test engineer, just because uh, you know I, I I went for an interview. I, I've seen a company that actually needed needed a lot of help, you know, from 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 design perspective, from, you know, including their websites, including the, you know, the products they were developing, and they didn't have any designers on, on stuff. So I actually. Uh, took the job as a test engineer with with the goal that you know that I'll, I'll be you know that that'll change in, in with, with the next couple of months and, and that actually you know happened I, I I designed you know I joined I designed a couple of couple of you know products and to, to the to the CEO at that point of time and, and that that changed very quickly I was the first designer on the team so since that day I, I was primarily responsible for designing experiences for for mobile browsers for very kind of small news applications you know and and more utilitarian tools. Got it. 
And then, um, so what, what happened when the you company, guys were acquired? The, the company grew. Nokia needed to scale. So they acquired us. I joined in a you know, much larger, more established team of designers, which were primarily located in, in London. My role at that point of the time has evolved to, to essentially be, be a designer for, for internet browsers. We they were servicing design, you know, servicing over 100 million users. We were supporting over 70 languages, so including right to left languages designing for you know for accessibility and in, in you know, kind of 2010 which which wasn't really established for for mobile phones that you know that well yet at that point of the time designing for for query keyboard devices for touchscreen devices for for a mix of you know for mix um so it's been definitely a uh, definitely challenging environment from a perspective of of a small screen but at the same time i'm really optimizing the experience for a lot of a lot of languages for you know for performance for different input methods as, as well yeah, I think the maybe some of the younger folks who don't know about Nokia, you know, they were one of the largest phone sellers in the world. And I was trying to see if I could quickly find a statistic of how many phones they sold a second. But <laughs> it was quite quite impressive back in the day before iPhone came along and did a great job of disrupting everyone. That's right. One of the more memorable experiences for me when, when designing for, for Nokia was actually one specific trip to Kenya. It was a market research uh, trip that I've done with um, with my colleagues, and it was really to understand kind of the current state and how the, how those devices are, are used in, in emerging markets, but also you know kind of what's what the future holds. And and it's been probably one of the most rewarding experiences as, as a designer to you know to have, which is to to observe you know those users, those teachers, those mechanics actually using you know the the product that you've designed as a essential as essential medium of essentially getting the information. So that was the only way for them to go online, read, you know, understand how to how to fix a problem, understand, learn, um, teach somebody else. So it's been it's been that's been probably one of the most rewarding experiences of. If as a designer. Yeah, it's a, when you get to do those field studies and see how people kind of use in a, in a different culture is, you know, especially I think nowadays for some cultures, right, their, their first exposure to the internet is actually the mobile phone. Right. And like, uh, you know, maybe you and I was, you know, computers and uh, then the mobile phone. And, and that's been the case with, with that specific trip as well. Um, the problem wasn't even the, the internet connection for those for a lot of those um, uh, users, but I remember that you know the problem was actually how do you charge the phone? How did they charge the phone? The, they sometimes they had to walk a couple of uh, kilometers to you know to, to the next village to, to to charge the phone. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Yeah, there were times when, <laughs> you know, battery life wasn't so great. I would have to carry my, not a charger, but the plug everywhere I went just so that, if I, <laughs> yeah, got, got to charge those things. Or, you know, Nokia had um, just, the, you know, with, with modern phones, all the batteries, like they're baked in and it's not hard, not easy to, um, what, what do you call, get at, right? Older phones, you could detach the battery. And I, I do recall one time, uh during that I probably I had a phone but I had two extra batteries where you know if they ran out you just remove it and you, know, you put new batteries in and then you kept those charged <laughs> yeah the struggle yeah there, there were days with also with multiple sim cards with multiple you know with with the swappable batteries there was like I remember Nokia kind of looking to a lot of different 
ways to kind of expand their, their market. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about your experience at Microsoft. I'm, I'm very curious on what you, you worked on. It sounds like you, you worked on some of the Windows phone stuff. Yeah. So as a part of that team, I've worked on, on enabling some of the newest applications on, on the Windows um, mobile phones. I, I probably want my best phone was actually Nokia 10, 1020, the 41 megapixel um, camera phone. Uh, still, still, still my favorite phone from kind of a, you know, professional, you know, you know point of view. I remember actually even taking a, um, taking a mobile con- mobile phone contest for photography with, with that phone specifically. Anyways. Yeah. So Microsoft, I also worked on on the news applications and some mobile browsers was really integrating some of the uh, early machine learning experiences to deliver news to those uh, to those phones this is uh, to the windows phone to those uh, windows phones. yeah with the, the metro ui yes yeah very cool I, I did have one for a while by the way and i thought it was really cool ux mm-hmm. you know it's very different and, and mm-hmm. very sleek and very responsive it felt like very unique design yeah that, that was very cool Right. So that, that takes uh, your journey to uh, BMW. That, that also feels, you know, again, very huge, different industry. You went from phone OS to an automotive company. What kind of work, uh, what did work look like there? I joined a very small team here in Chicago. Essentially, I was the first designer for the Steam, and our role was, was to kind of reimagine the connected experience from a mobile phone perspective. What does that you know, look like in a, in a modern age to take to account much slower kind of recycle of the of the cars themselves and connect that uh, create that unified unified experience across uh, phone the car and maybe other devices that, that would be coming in the future as well so it was also a very interesting set of challenges uh, working definitely with way different uh, type of users personas uh, very demanding uh, typically executives you know time time is money you know everything needs to be very precise and very quick so that's you know brought in you know very different set of design challenges just because uh, a lot of the times we were working with the older older vehicles and and you know just to give you a little bit more background the you know the main purpose of, of the application that we we're working on is, is to, was really to to connect with the car, uh, do things like remote start um, or a remote unlock, you know, honk a horn, send a destination to a car. And so some of those vehicles were from like early, you know, 2012, 13, all the way to, you know, all the way to, you know, to, to, to recent years. It's been very interesting to to work with much slower cycle versus, you know, the, the design evolution and even the mobile phone evolution has been much, much quicker. So that's been interesting to, to connect those, those two experiences um, together. Yeah. We, we, we had someone who worked in, in automotive on the interview and he had a similar experience where I said, Oh, when, when can we expect to see some of this work? And he said, you probably won't see it for several years. <laughs> Anything you do now, maybe like, two, three years from now, it's like, oh, wow, that's, I can see for people, you know, it's a very different, you know, when, when certain startups or certain tech startups, right, they might push new features, new code several times a day, right? Uh, a user just may just hit refresh and just have new features pop up daily. The, the iteration is, is so much faster. Yeah. I think the, the most interesting aspect of, of, that is that you know there is like different variant versions of the ID systems as well. So the iDrive ID four, five, six, seven. So those are you know had actually different visual design language you know throughout the years as well. 
So that was evolving. And then our design, you know, on a mobile phone was trying to, you know, to, to kind of compensate for, for you know, for, for the evolution of the design system in, in a car as well. So that's, that's lots of challenges. <laughs> yeah, actually, one thing I would like to, you know, mention about BMW itself, and kind of my reflection on, on working as a designer within within that team, I joined that team as a, one of the, you know, uh, senior designers with the goal with the kind of the goal of, of kind of reading that that experience and you know part of probably my learning there you know if i reflect that you know from from a, from few years now is was that actually i probably have not done due diligence um of understanding uh what actually worked uh you know for the for the current users i think a lot of the times when we when we were designing new experiences or come into to a to, to rethink reimagine the experience we start you know we try to rethink really try to think from you know from a fresh perspective also how can we reimagine the experience rather than think what can we what should we actually keep what actually work, works really well and, and maintain that and, and actually evolve the rest of the experience to kind of to elevate that or, or fix you know, the rest of the experience. I think that's probably one of the kind of the, one of the, my biggest reflections as a designer or learning points as, as well. And the reason for that is that when I joined the design, you know, application out there, when I came in, we, we redesigned it, we evolved it. And after a couple of years, we had a, a kind of second chance at redesigning. And what we ended up doing is actually bringing back some of the elements from the initial design because we've actually learned, you know, through, you know, through analytics, through usability studies, certain things that actually worked well. So as a designer, that's more of a reflection uh, for me that we, we always try to um, reinvent, you know, the, the product when, when we try, when we join a new project, it's, and it's very difficult to, to actually identify the things that actually work and, and keep them as they are. Right. I have a story that I can relate to around that. You know, I, I would consider you and I to be very kind of digital forward, right? We, we design interfaces, we look at possibilities, we always try to imagine how we could make this better. And, right. and sometimes I, I look at an app, I'm using an app, and I was like, I would always be like, oh, it, it would be so much better if it could, if it just does X, Y, Z, or like there's technologies that would just skip a few steps and, and let me do this in one one click or whatever. You know, there was a, a government app services, you know, so it was a mobile web app, but my wife was commenting on how uh, easy it is and convenient to be able to do all these online now. And, you know, some of the stuff was pretty, pretty new and refreshed and it was, it was convenient for us. But I I also had learned from, you know, maybe I'd learned that for some people who are not digital native, right? One, technologies can be very challenging to once they get used to something, how to do something a certain way for these people, they learn how to do it. They get used to that. Even if you change it to something better, it's still a cause for stress and anxiety because they're, they're not tech native. So change is, is, is much, you know, when you change the, Oh, the button used to be here. It used to be called this. I used to look for this. This can be very stressful to, to people as well who, who are not digital natives. So that's uh, you know, it's a lesson for designers like, like us who always want to just change and make it better and update it and add, add new things. That's a good lesson to learn. Yeah. 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 So I get it. The pace of uh, iteration and innovation when you're dealing with the automotive industry or just generally anything hardware that needs to be packaged, you know, manufactured, long cycles can be long. How does maybe the um, kind of the pharma industry, you know, with regulations and stuff, is that 
how does that compare? And do you have, you know, compared to maybe like pure software companies like, like Microsoft, you know, how does that compare in terms of like iteration or speed or, you know, maybe like, do you have to, is there a regulation that kind of you have to deal with that might slow things down as well? Yes and no, right? There are aspects of the, the projects that they're more internal or in changing the ways of working of our internal employees that may have maybe a little bit may have a little bit different you know different requirements and, and kind of different kind of different needs as well. But I wouldn't actually, actually comparing to some of my other roles, you know, like BMW also was, was very highly regulated. You know, think about driver distractions and many other things uh, that we would need to consider from pharma perspective. There is a lot more constraints, but. I- I wouldn't say that that it's you know way different you know compared to other industries like like you know, BMW or even Nokia. And I you know honestly my experience at, at Microsoft was probably not enough to you know to, to kind of compare that to the pure pure uh, software industry itself. So I wouldn't probably have that um, kind of a pure answer to that question. I guess. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting conversation, and I think it's also good um, learning for someone who wants to get into whether it's pharma, healthcare, or automotive, is like how, you know, how does someone who is, would be maybe a, a, just a regular designer get up to speed on some of these things so that they, they can be a better fit to, to a designer for that industry, right? Like where, where, what sort of resources do they need to be aware of and like what sort of considerations? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, and every industry, uh, it's a little bit different, but I, I think the expectation of, of the company is actually that you would learn those things on the job, right? I think everyone is looking for a you know, good designer at, 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 at core, you know, good team member and, and expectation typically is that you would, you would kind of learn and, you know, the industry learn, learn the, you know, the kind of, re, kind of regulatory environment on the job. That's uh, that. That helps a lot because it's, yeah, yeah it'd be, but, but if you know that from mm-hmm. maybe past experience, it could also be an advantage. To... Yeah. I, I think the, even simple things like, like accessibility or essentially privacy rules, I, I think a lot of those things with understanding how to work with those constraints, I think, you know, gives, you know, uh, gives designers probably a lot, you know, a lot better edge and, and have the, you know, the different, different, a more mature perspective. Yeah. I'm trying to think here that was it easy or a challenge to switch industries kind of based on, you know, that's your personal experience. Great question. So I don't think it was, it was very difficult. I think in fact, actually uh, I wanted to try some, you know, a different industry and, and my wife is, she's a nurse manager and I've been kind of looking over the interface interfaces that she works with and kind of looking at the kind of, the, the patient experience, under, you know, seeing that myself, I, I felt like, you know, this is a challenge that I would like to take on, at least, you know, help that within that industry somehow influence that, you know, at least part of the interface that can help, you know, those patients and, and that, you know, those or medical personnel. So I, I think for me, it wasn't a big change. You know, I think it's, you know, finding kind of the the passion within the, the industry of, of the, and the challenge that, that you would like to solve. And, and I think that was, that was for me was, was probably more important than the experience of, of actually automotive versus, versus mobile phones or, or, or pharma now. Yeah. Uh, I can sympathize every, every time I go to the doctor's office, I always feel so bad, you know, like all the software that I have to deal with and the, how complicated it all looks, how I don't know, seemingly, you know, how it's organized and designed seems like, 
very challenging for someone like who is a doctor who maybe mm-hmm. wanted to he went to medical school school to you know their dream wasn't to like <laughs> wrangle this sort of software <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and it's and it's also for within the pharma company or within within abby right now it's is that um, only about the patient experience but it's also about the um, the biologist experience the scientist experience because to speed up the, their their work as well so a lot of a lot of what we're focusing on as well is, is that internal experience how to improve the ways of working of, of those of those scientists or those biologists so, so that's that their work is a little more efficient their work is actually more meaningful and they don't have to focus on that software that maybe you know could have been designed a little bit better right and focus on, on uh, what they're hired to do right what they're what they want to do so so i think that's there's a lot that needs to be done with, within this industry and i think this is this we're starting a, a kind of very with, with very small steps Great. Yeah. It's great to hear that it's not only the patient experience, but, but all the different personas. Yeah. I think when you get into sort of the, the business world, you know, that that's pretty common that, you know, you're, you're not just dealing with a consumer persona, right. And you're you know, in a B2C product, it's mostly very consumer focused, but I think in, in these instances, there's, there's quite a lot of different personas and which makes for interesting work. So Pavel, in your experience of design, I'd love for you to talk about design beyond mobile, you know, to cover more, you know, when, when people think about user experience, I think a lot of times it's, it's web and mobile. Those are the traditional in digital interfaces, but I think in, in your past experience at work, maybe perhaps at BMW, I see that you had to think about user experience beyond just mobile or or just even the in-car experience. So could you talk a little bit about that? So we, we talked about previously about connecting the, uh, the experience of, of a mobile phone with, with, the, with the car, which um, in itself was already quite challenging given the kind of the different recess, recycles of, of the cars and the phone, but also extending that experience to, to watches, to Apple Watch, to, to other wearables, as well as to Alexa and, and um, Google Home. So I think when... And that was actually quite quite interesting and challenging, not only kind of trying to connect and design the best experience for, for that pairing of, of a car with a phone, but also extending that experience uh, beyond the phone and and into the user's wrists or in, into their, their homes and identifying the right use cases, identifying the right um, kind of the right, right mental models for you know for those for those touch points as well. It's it's been quite interesting and challenging. Uh, learning and discovering um, as you BMW was actually one of the first Amazon Alexa on, on their Amazon Alexa skill as, as an auto manufacturer. So it's been, you know, it's, um, it's been definitely interesting to, to learn from those first releases, pivot and, and kind of um, redefine the experience. So I could do things like remotely start the car with Alexa, like in the Chicago winter so that I don't have to go out. With, with some of the cars. Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> or like remotely, you know, I don't know start the alarm or something if there's a yeah probably that feature actually i'm not sure if that feature exists but you know think of it as, as, as preparing the car for a trip the things related maybe to, to your destinations that you want to go to or or essentially warming up the car uh, unlocking it yeah 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 what sort of discovery work did you do with that and and what were some of the things that you know in your memory that were pretty cool that you could do through you know outside the phone right on apple watch or through alexa or google yeah it's been actually quite interesting to work on especially on alexa uh, just because it was a, a different kind of a 
uh, form factor, different uh, medium of communication. But also what was um, interesting is that BMW actually it's kind of its own assistant at, you know, in, in a car as well, right? You know, there's a way to communicate, you know, to kind of, you know, at the early stages, it was primarily uh, giving commands to the car, you know, around, you know, turn on the station, set the destination, et cetera, et cetera. But it was also trying to, to figure out the kind of what's the, What's the right digital experience for the right setting? When I'm at home, I'm talking to Alexa. When I'm in a car, I'm talking to, to, a, to a different digital assistant. So actually, that's still kind of evolving and ongoing within the industry. But I was kind of, the, you know, when we when we started working on Alexa, we kind of realized, you know, started un, kind of unpeeling, you know, this, this set of uh, interesting questions, you know, that we needed to answer or start or at least start uh, try to answer with the first skill integration. Well, thank you. That uh, you know, the conversation has been very interesting. We we touched on so many things, including a Windows Phone, which is a trip down memory lane, or UIC, where we both went. That was a great conversation, and I learned a lot about uh, a little bit more about designing for cars, as well as kind of the the pharma industry. It was my pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of What is UX? If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you leave us a review, I'll make sure to shout it out on the show. If you have any questions, send them to questions at whatisux.co and our guest and I will try to answer them on the show. And you can always find us on whatisux.co. See you on the next one.